Amen. Well, we have a special treat for you this morning. Uh, Melody is going to be speaking with me, or as I like to say, she's going to be making sure that everything I'm saying is correct <laughs> and, uh, you know, adding comments whenever she wants. It's like a wife's dream, you know. And a microphone. <laughs> so it should be fun. This is the first time, well, we've done like a short little thing together, but we've never done a whole message together. So this is, a, this is the first time. It's a new experience. Yes. See? We don't even know. So we've never done this before in our life. Uh, So you're going to enjoy it, and we're going to enjoy it. Let's start out with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for loving us, for thinking about us, that while we were sinners, you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for us. Thank you that you loved us when there was nothing really to love about us, but that you created us. Thank you for creating us, bringing us into your family through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray today as we uh, approach your word and as we minister your word, that you would open up your word by your spirit, that we would see with the eyes of our spirits what you're showing us, that we'd hear with the ears of our spirits what you're saying to us, that we wouldn't just uh, forget, but that we'd put into practice uh, what you reveal to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is our second week of uh, relationship series, and so this week we're going to speak on marriage. And uh, one of the main reasons is I wanted Melody to be able to be here uh, to speak with us. And next week she's ministering to the children. Uh, So we'll be talking about children next week uh, as well and the family more. But uh, this week we're going to be talking about marriage. And so I want to begin in uh, Genesis 2, uh, verse 18. Genesis 2, verse 18, if you have your Bibles. Genesis 2, 18. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help, a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was its name. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. And now starting in verse 21 through the rest of the chapter, verse 25, we find God's ideal uh, for mankind and for marriage. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made woman and brought her to man. And Adam said, This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And so here we see like the first example of marriage is that a man or a woman is to leave their father and mother and cleave to their spouse. And this is where you see some of uh, the biggest challenges in marriage. And that is uh, mother-in-laws and father-in-laws. Because why? Well, you know... uh, My oldest is Evie, and she's 11. She'll be 12 next month. And so, you know, your flesh, my flesh would say, there there is no young man that's good enough for my daughter. (laughs) Well, you know, if I don't keep that in check, then uh, there'll never be any man that's good enough for my daughter in my eyes. And really, I should say the eyes of my flesh. Yeah. Right? Right. And the same thing is true of the sons. A lot of times it's the the mother with the sons. So in the mother's eyes, there's no uh, other girl that's good enough for my son. Well, if you look at marriage and you see some of the greatest challenges you'll find, uh, it's because of not leaving and cleaving. In other words, right here, the Lord shows that the two are to create a new family and a family together. And many times that doesn't happen. So do you want to tell something? I just want to say we have the best in-laws ever. (laughs) I just want to clarify that. Well, your mother, his mother actually said, because he had, he's one of four boys. So she said, um, 
always wanted a daughter. So he felt disowned. Yeah, my <laughs> parents, we, I'm one of four boys, and so my parents kept trying until they had a girl, and they didn't ever have a girl, so they decided after four they should stop uh, <laughs> because uh, we didn't, they didn't want to keep going. And so my mom was so happy when uh, some of us boys got married so that uh, she had some daughters. daughters. Uh, you know, I know in, in uh, our marriage, we uh, met at Rama. Actually, I was uh, working in the television department, and I was doing video interviews. And so I had uh, uh, a co-conspirator with me, a young lady. She still works there, actually. And um, we were doing interviews of incoming second-year students, and she said we were looking for people to interview. And so there's a whole group of people registering. And she looked over, and she said, uh, what about them? And it was Melody and I think two other other ladies, girls at that time. And I said, oh, yes, we should interview them. We should definitely interview them. So bad, so bad. And so I got to, the first time I met her, ask all these questions. And so if I ever find the tape, maybe I can show it to you, because I've so lost bad. the tape but uh, in one of the it's moves. It's a very interrogating uh, questionnaire. <laughs> So I asked lots of questions, and I did throw in a few others just for my sake, you know, like, where do you see yourself in the future? And what kind of call do you feel you have on your life? <laughs> That's so bad. And so we got married. Uh, she graduated. I was already a graduate, um, and then uh, the year we got married, and uh, she graduated, and then we got married about a month later at her hometown in Minnesota, but we were on staff at Kenneth Hagin Ministries, and so we stayed down there. And um, so we didn't really have too much trouble with uh, leaving and cleaving because we had already left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that me, Jeremy? Are you looking? Is okay. that me? Because I'm and so, but when we would travel home to her parents, do you want, you want to say, you want me to say? So we'd travel home to her parents, and Melody is one of the sweetest women you will ever meet. She is like, people see her and they're like, uh, she can't really be like that. She must be devious or have something else going on. And no, she's really that sweet. Uh, so I'm very blessed. But um, she, she kind of, um, wherever she's at, that's the people she's with. So like she's, I'm a future thinker, big picture thinker. And so like if I'm in the moment, I have to really challenge myself to enjoy the moment because I'm thinking in the future. So a lot of times I will never enjoy like today if I don't pay attention, I'll, cause I'm always looking for tomorrow. Yes. Right? Exactly so that's a big opposite. fault of my personality. I can explain it like this. So there's a woods and I see the caterpillar on the leaf and I'm like, oh look. And he's like out in space or the whole forest, he sees the whole forest, maybe. That yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I, don't, I don't get so distracted on the little things normally. And I tell those serving at the church, and many of you serve here at the church, like, uh, I don't, I'm not really um, concerned if there's a problem like right now. I'm concerned if there's no solution that will uh, prevent that from the future or there's no plan for the future because everybody makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. There's going to be mistakes. And so if you don't like making mistakes, uh, uh, you're living in the wrong species of being or something because uh, you're going to have mistakes and, and um, but uh, I'm, I'm a longer term picture person so because of that we'd go home and when we first would go home Melody uh, would get with her uh, siblings and so she has what do you have four sisters and one brother and it's like a wild house when they're all together it's a lot of fun a lot of activity and um they uh, kind of had communal living growing up, and I didn't have communal living growing up, and so, <laughs> so we're more like uh, segmented, like, okay, I'm like, I don't ever remember growing up that I shared any clothes with my brothers or they shared any clothes with me, except for hand-me-downs. Like, as soon as the older ones, <laughs> then it came to me. Well, she's... The family of girls, so we just stole each other's clothes. and. <laughs> So they would always like, oh, this picture perfect. And, so, so when we would first go home, she would get in that atmosphere. And I felt like, well, she totally forgot that she was even married. <laughs> I'm like running She's like, oh, we're going to go do this. We're going to go do that. Da, da, da. And I'm like, what? And so. Um, it's with my parents. Yeah. So she has said so many times because we were first married. You know, I, my uh, best men in, uh, in our wedding and our groomsmen, they said, oh, you're going you're gonna to move up here. You know, we know you're going to move here way in northern Minnesota. And uh, she always says, she's like, it's really good that we didn't move there right away because I had to learn. Yeah how to, you know, be your husband and yet still be a daughter. In other words, the leave and cleave. Huh? Oh, yeah. You gotta learn how to be you a wife. Be a wife not <laughs> See? I'm going to keep track. That's one. And so... 
so it really helped us. Just how we, just how we were, it really yeah. helped us. Well, why do you say that? Well, you know, like actually in Israel, they used to say like, you know, before the men could actually be in the military, uh, the Bible actually says that they're supposed to, when they get married, not have any military duties, any other duties, just be for one year with their wife after they get married. Why? Well, because you have to establish a relationship and a new family together mm-hmm. because the two become one before God. Two that, uh, that is two that are both Christians. You know, you don't become one for God before God if it's a Christian and a non-Christian Mary or a non-Christian and a non-Christian. The Lord doesn't unify that marriage. That's not in the Bible. Um, and so, incidentally, sometimes people get hung up with uh, uh, marriage, divorce, remarriage, what's going on. Well, uh, Paul talks about it in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I think it is. And, um, you know, there is one law for the Jews. There is one law for the Gentiles. Uh, and then there's another law for the church. And we're, we're under the church law. Mm-hmm. Anybody know what the law is in the church? It's the law of love. It's the law of love. Yep. The law of love. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've made mistakes in your marriage, join the club. <laughs> if you haven't made mistakes in marriage, then at the end of the service, you can come and repent for lying. <laughs> but the point is, that in marriage, if you marry, Paul said, you'll have trouble in the flesh. In Corinthians, he said, if, if you marry, you'll have trouble in the flesh. Well, the four main areas that you'll find that people have trouble in the flesh are, number one, concerning the things of God or religious things. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, uh, sex. Number three, money. And number four, children. And so if you're not married yet... Uh, or you have been married, but you want to get remarried, then you need to find out, concerning the person that you are interested in, uh, number one, are you equally yoked together? In other words, if you are born again, are they born again? And if you're filled with the Spirit, are they filled with the Spirit? Or are they at least hungry to be filled with the Spirit? Uh, You know, I encourage couples when I uh, counsel them for premarital counseling is that you need to find someone that has a loving, growing relationship with God. Because um, marriage is the big magnifier. So whatever you experience before you're married, it's going to be magnified afterwards. So if that annoys you now, it's really going to annoy you later. (laughs) But the the, the positive is true also. If those things are good now, they're going to be great later. Mm -hmm. So you can't... uh, You really are never going to fully know somebody here on earth. You get to know them more and more every year. We got married in 2002. That's not you, it's me, so don't okay. worry about it. Uh, we got married in 2002. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I get to know her more and more all the time. And I think I've heard every story. No, I have not heard every story. All of a sudden, she'll just <laughs> grab one from way back when, and I'm like, what? I never heard that. I've never heard of that before. And so... Uh, it's important before you're married to consider what do they believe? Yeah. And it's important to consider uh, what, are they, what are their standards for sexual activity? And it's important to understand like money. Well, what's going on about money? If you find people having trouble in marriage, it's going to be one or multiple of those areas, sometimes every single one of those areas. And if you find out ahead of time uh, what's going on and what expectations are, it'll it'll save you a lot of trouble in marriage uh, and make your marriage more heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're going to turn over to uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, and talk about uh, communication in marriage and how to have a successful marriage. So John 13, verse 34 and 35, anybody remember Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Isn't it scary how I minister? Do you like that? It's great. It's okay. Because I couldn't get it turned turned fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) That you love one another even as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Mm -hmm. And then over in Romans chapter 13 verse 10. Romans chapter 13 verse 10. (laughs) 
Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So if we're going to fulfill the law, if we're going to walk in love or fulfill all of the commandments that we have under the new covenant, uh, we're going to walk in love. And love, as we said last week, you know, there is agape, which is the love of God or the love that God is or the love that comes from God. There's storge, phileo, eros. And, you know, eros is the romantic or sexual love. Storge is brotherly love. And phileo is uh, like friendly love, like friends. But we're focusing on agape love. And so we, I want to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse 4 through 8 in the Amplified Translation. Uh, actually, how, I'll have you read that. No, you don't want to read I'd it. Rather have you. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor bows over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily, is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love... God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Mm -hmm. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, and is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. Yeah, and then if you go in the next chapter, it says... um, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim and your greatest quest. And um, so when we make love our quest or our aim here, I'll do it in the least too. It says, be continually pursuing this love, earnestly endeavoring to acquire it. Pursue love. So you're going after it. That's like a goal. Um, Go after a life of love as you... as your life depends here, let me start over. Go after a life of love as if your life depends on it, because it does. And you know that's true in marriage for sure. And let love be your highest goal. Yeah, that go after was in the message translation. Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it. In other words, you're pursuing. King James says pursue. Many translations say pursue and go after a life of love. Now, um, when we were first married, Melody had some, uh, I'm going to get in trouble for this, aren't I? Oh my gosh. Melody had some uh, different things. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's always saying uh, funny things. And so she said to me one time, she said, um, we're married for less than a year, right? I don't know what's story. And she said, um, <laughs> I'm going to get it so out many. before I find out if I'm allowed to tell it. So we discussed this ahead of time. I said, do you want to go through the stories ahead of time? Or no? And she said, no, no, let's not. You can tell anything. And so we'll, we'll find out how true that is. So, so we had been married probably less than a year. And, um, and she said, um, she had told me, and I'm trying to be a very dutiful husband. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, you know, oh be a good husband and, and do everything we're supposed to do. And so she knows what I'm telling now. And so she said, um, I want you to chase me sometime. And I thought, okay, you know, so you guys know me, I can be an analytical thinker, and I thought, chase you, okay. I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to chase you. And so, so I'm looking for an opportunity to chase her. Well, Melody is like, she's like grew up communal, so she likes to be with you. So like, we're not the kind of couple that likes to like, I'm going to do my thing, you do your thing. We love to do stuff together as long as she listens <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. We used to travel on the road together with Brother Hagen, and we did uh, television stuff. And when we first did it, um, you know, if you're this personality, you can be hard to live with <laughs> because you like things to be a certain way. Yeah. And it's not their fault. It's actually your fault, yeah. right? So, uh, so anyhow, I like, well, let's set it up like this. And she always had out of the box ways to do things, you know, so I had to get used to that. Anyhow, so she said, I love you chase me. And so I, we lived in a little apartment, just a two bedroom apartment, I think it was. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to chase her. And so 
she she followed me everywhere I went. So I go into the kitchen, and she follows me into the kitchen. So I go into, like, uh, the bathroom. She follows me to the bathroom. And then I go into, like, the bedroom, and she follows me there. So finally, I'm just, like, I'm really trying really, really hard. So finally, I get frustrated, and I didn't know what to do. And I looked up at her, and I said, I'm chasing you. And she looked at me, and she went, oh. And so then she went away so I could I could catch her, you know. And so... It wasn't quite as exciting, right? Because I was more romantic thinking like it should be like spontaneous and it can't just be like I can't tell you like I'm chasing you. But I took second best. That's for the impossible enough. (laughs) And so that's just one funny illustration. But uh, there's been many things like that where um, I finally, oh, actually, uh, our engagement was very similar because um, I. Once I knew in my heart that uh, she was the one I wanted to marry and had a, a permission from the Lord, then um, I, I'm like, once you decide, you might as well get married. I mean, why wait? I mean, you kind of know. And so I wanted to ask her to marry me. And so I, we had, um, I had traveled up to meet her parents and asked her father's permission uh, if I could marry her, which was interesting in itself. It's a whole other story. We probably won't have, no, we don't have time to tell that one. Uh, his response, just so you can be in on it, was, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm not marrying you. She is. Just ask her. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to do the honorable thing. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and, so, um, and so she has wonderful parents. I love them very much. And um, why was I saying that? <laughs> You're telling about a horrible engagement. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we get back uh, from Minnesota, and uh, I had flown, and she drove, I think. And so once we both got back from Minnesota, then um, I wanted to give her a ring so that it was very clear that she was off the market. <laughs> and um, I, I had the trouble waiting, and so I had gotten the ring, and uh, I wanted to propose to her because we met at Rama. They have a little park there where they have, like, thousands of lights that they put up at Christmas time. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll propose in the park. And But she kept working. Uh, we had school, and she was working late and had all these uh, schedules. And um, so all I could do was, like, 10 or 11 o'clock at night, I think it was. And so I got her in the car. And mind you, I worked at Rama. And so I pull up to the front of one of the student buildings, and I'm getting ready to get her out to get there. And I said, well, I said, I need to go get something over here. Will you come with me? And she's like, no, why would I come? You know, it's like the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm not going across. And I said, I said, like, no, no, just come. And so I was, like, begging her and like, begging her. Like, I'll just wait in the car. Just get your thing. So finally, when it's really awkward, I get her to get out of the car, and Raymond's security comes up and kicks us out of the park. <laughs> the one security guard I did not know. Because he worked midnights all the time. And if, if you ever know Rayma, they can be pretty um, strict. Yes. And so uh, we got in the car, and so the way I asked her to marry me was, uh, she was really awkward after that, and I said, um, I said something like, you goober, I'm trying to ask you to marry me. <laughs> and so uh, she said yes, but I didn't hear her say yes. I said yes, like, yes, 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 in a high squeaky voice, so he didn't hear, understand me. So he's like waiting for me to say yes, and I'm like, I already said yes, I had the ring on, and I was like freaking out, and he's like, are you going to answer me? And I'm like, yeah, so this is communication from the beginning. So communication, okay? <laughs> you know, they say like opposites attract, yeah. and apparently that happens, and uh, so uh, we have many opposite areas, uh, but we have a lot of areas that are very similar. Uh, we both love to do stuff outside, we love to, um, uh, we're kind of outdoor people, and um we both love to give, love to serve the Lord. So we had a lot of um, similarities as far as our likes and dislikes. Yeah. But how we would express or how we would try to do these things uh, couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of end up uh, shocked about like, oh, that's, that's how you would do that? Or why would you do that? And not understanding. And so it, it took a lot of um, growing. Yeah. So for me, the greatest key in our marriage I got from the Lord when I was frustrated with my wife. And I wasn't uh, 
I loved her, I've always loved her, but I was kind of like annoyed, you know? I'm like, why does she do that? Like, how can she not like plan? Does she not know like this is the time that this starts, so we have to leave, so if you're gonna leave, you have to <laughs> get dressed before that and pick your stuff before that and get makeup before that, you know? Because I see it like there's a whole progression of things and she'll just be like, oh, it's time to go. I need to get this, I need to get this, right? So, so I had some uh, issues with that. And so I was, uh, after we'd been married for, I think it was two or three years, um, I started uh, to get annoyed at my wife. And uh, so I'm just kind of getting like, why does she do that? And like, she should pay attention. And she should not do this, you know, and just kind of not doing the verses I just read to you. <laughs> so I read these verses every day. He does. And um, when I read these verses every day, I love it when I read them. And then before anything happens, I act on that. But it seems like a good percentage of the time, I'll read those verses and then I'm reminded of what I did yesterday. Yeah. That was not that verse. <laughs> First and so the word will admonish you. Yes. Uh, when you look that up, it actually means kind of like slap you a little bit. Like, you know, hey, get going the right direction. So it's, it's um, and when you get admonished by the word of God, I mean, to me, it's so much better than getting a pat on the back. Yeah. Because you're like, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my flesh under, yeah. and I'm going to live according to what you say because I know this is better. Yeah. And so I was kind of not happy with uh, my wife and how she was acting. And I was mumbling about it and grumbling to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I don't know why is she like that. And he said, <laughs> that's those are the things that you actually were attracted to in her. Mm -hmm. And I thought, no. <laughs> I'm not attracted to that. I'm not <laughs> and then as I look to the inside, what do I need to do? Maybe we'll share this. And so as I look to the inside, then um, I realized, oh, those are the very things that I loved about her and that I was attracted to in her, that she's like uh, not so planned out and she's very spontaneous and she'll th see things differently. And the Lord just ministered to me in my heart. And he said, those things can either drive you apart or they can bring you together. It's all based on your perspective. And that, if I had to say the greatest key I have found in our marriage that has helped me, that would be the greatest key. So that I didn't, because I had a choice. So every, every time something like that would happen, I had a choice and I have a choice. Yeah. In other words, we ought to bear with the infirmities of them that are weak. Well, do you understand, like, I may be tempted, and I am tempted, let's just say this, I'm tempted in different areas uh, to miss it and mess up than what you are, but you're tempted in different areas than what I am. And so for me to judge you or you to judge me because, like, well, you know, uh, I would never do that. Well, that's really just like self-righteousness and judging because uh, there may be things that are more challenging for me that are super easy for you. So you can't just say like, I'm better than you or you're better than me. We all have infirmity of the flesh. In other words, we're living in the flesh and we have things that are challenging for us to overcome. Uh, do you want this? Or challenging for us to uh, conquer. And so I had to make a choice, and I still have to make a choice. But since that time, I normally catch myself pretty quickly. But not all the time. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, meditate on the wrong things. And, you know, it, in other words, I, I, I really... I despise being late. And so that's one thing that I still am working on so that it doesn't like trigger me because I'm kind of like, oh, I can't believe we're late. So why, when I say trigger me, then I'll just kind of be grunting like, how can, how can she not understand that this is like... I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> how can she understand this is, this is... Not understand this is dishonorable. Well, you know, sometimes uh, you cannot prevent being late, especially here. Because, like, you got everything planned and somebody hits somebody in the road, you know, and, you know, then you're upset because you're late and somebody just died. Mm -hmm. That just changed many families' lives. And so, um, as much as, um, so I've learned to uh, ch chillax a little bit. Um, and so, one of the situations where I learned to relax, and I'm expecting some input from you on this, is um, we... Uh, used to help a minister uh, named Jim Hockaday for a year, I guess about a year on some of his uh, traveling meetings. So we were living in Oklahoma and he had a meeting in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so um, 
Melody and I and another friend of ours headed out from Tulsa to New Mexico. And uh, the other friend is a, was a male friend of mine, and um, he apparently has some similarity, uh, personality similarities to Melody. <laughs> <laughs> and so we get in the car and get ready to go, and we're like maybe an hour and a half. It's like a 10 or 12-hour trip. So we're maybe an hour and a half, two hours down the road. And um, uh, my friend Glenn says, um, he's like, uh, I'm hungry. We should stop and get some food. <laughs> and I thought, we're an hour and a half down the road. Like, why would you stop now? I mean, like, because I had already planned the whole trip out. It's a 12-hour trip, so we're going to stop, like, probably four hours. And then in another four hours, we'll have two stops, and we're there. <laughs> uh, point A to point B. And when you stop, you go to the bathroom, you get your food, you stretch your legs, and you do everything. I used to do everything as far as my gas tank. Could not, I should preach to you, right? And so... I was going down to, right before we moved here to plant the church, I was going to Pastor Mark's camp meeting, and uh, Melody had a friend getting married, and so she wasn't able to come to that one. And so I, I rented a car, and they had this hybrid car. And because uh, they had other cars, and I said, what about this hybrid car? And they said, oh, that's, you know, and they, they said, it gets like 50 miles to the gallon. Well, I got, I think, more than that. Well, so you know where this is going. So it's like a, from there, I think it was a, I don't even know how long the trip was, 14-hour drive or something like that. It was a very long drive. And um, so I get in the car, and I thought, every car I get, I'm going to see how far I can get this thing to go. I, I've never run out of gas until, like, last week. Where's Dave? <laughs> or about it last month. It was horrible. First time ever. That's my fault, too. Different story. Okay. And so I get in that car. Do you know how far I went? I went 10 hours nonstop. <laughs> 10 hours of driving nonstop. I was so proud of myself, but I had to go to the bathroom so bad. <laughs> so just a little background on my personality. So that's, so we're going. So I had Glenn on my side. Yeah. So Glenn's like, and Melody's like, yeah, you know. So normally it would be Melody and I, and she'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm hungry or, you know, I want to stop. And I'm like, or I have to use the restroom. I said, well, can you wait a little longer? She's like, okay, yeah, I can wait, you know. Well, this time Glenn says something. And right before I can say anything, like we just started, she said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to stop. That's a great idea. And so I, I like cut my losses. And I thought, okay, well, <laughs> we'll stop now. We should have thought of this ahead of time, obviously, but we didn't. So it's no problem. We'll just stop now. And then we'll go like four to six hours down the road and then we'll stop. Well, we get in the car and then they drink coffee. <laughs> so we get like another hour and a half or two hours down the road. And uh, Glenn says, man, I got to go to the bathroom. And Melody says, I do too. And then he's like, plus I'm hungry. And I said, well, we just ate. So we stop. So this goes on like the whole way, about every two hours. That's not how I traveled. I didn't learn to travel this way. And so finally, I'm like... We had time. It wasn't like we were in a rush. We had a whole... Okay. Yeah, we did have. Yeah. And so, and so uh, we're going, and finally we get to... Um, Santa Rosa, New Mexico. So we're almost there. We're probably about two hours from, uh, from uh, yeah. wherever we were going, Albuquerque. And uh, we stop to use the restroom and get some food again. Good. Yeah. <laughs> More coffee, like constant. And so we stop, and Melody was in the restroom, and I had already gone, and Glenn was out there looking, and there's these little stands, you know, and they got coffee mugs, and there's this mug, and I'm, I'm still not, like, I haven't learned to enjoy the journey. And so I'm like, okay, Let's go. We're ready to go. And he's like, he's like, oh, that's cool. Look at that mug. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, you ready to go? And he's like, no, like it says the blue hole. And I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, wonder where that is. We should go there. And I said, well, we don't have time to go there. I don't know what you're talking about. We had time. And so, um, not in my mind, we didn't. And so, so Melody comes out and same thing happens. Oh, that's a great idea. So they so convinced cool. me, well, we have time, we have time, come on. And so they convinced me, okay, we'll go to the blue hole. So we drive and we drive to the blue hole, which is a swimming hole. It's a big, the picture on the mug was, I wish we had bought that mug. I know. Uh, we it was like beautiful water, aqua, beautiful. And so uh, we go and we change separately in the car and then we got out of the car and we go swimming and it's like, a dirty lake. It's just like a and I'm like, what hole. is this? Like, you know. This and so really there's cool. other people swimming there, and I'm saying, guys, this is not that impressive. I don't think we really should have stopped here. <laughs> and uh, somebody overhears us, and they're like, "Are you looking for the blue hole?" They said, "Yeah." They said, "This is not the blue hole." 
So I'm thinking, see, I told you we just shouldn't have stopped. It's a big mistake. Well, we were just going to, we should change now and leave. But no, they said, well, where is the blue hole? Well, it's up there. And so we find the blue hole and it was gorgeous water. It's like a hundred foot deep hole that was probably like 50 feet in diameter. And you go down a hundred feet, crystal clear water all the way. And at the bottom, there's a gate that's like four feet by four feet. And uh, if you're a diver, they'll take you down and you can open the gate and you can go diving in these caves. caves, We're not divers, so um, maybe Glenn is, I don't know. And so uh, we went swimming in this ice cold water and jumped off cliffs and had a good time. And it taught me a lot about uh, enjoying the journey and uh, taught me a lot about my wife and how she gangs up on me. And um, so there are so many different styles of communication and you can take those things and say like, I could be frustrated like the whole time Mm -hmm. and say like well why are we doing this why are we doing this and I'm missing out on all of the fun and everything that's going on because I'm being Mm self-centered because what gratifies my flesh well it's changed now because I've learned to enjoy that more but my flesh was drawn to like I have to know what's happening here and here and here and so I have to plan it and once I have it planned and then we can do it and then it'll be successful and in that personality you can have a hard time receiving from God because you receive from God by faith yeah not by reasoning and not by your planning because there's no amount of your planning that can ever prepare you for problems in your marriage mm-hmm. or problems in your family mm-hmm. or you find out your child is on drugs and you had no idea or you find out that your spouse has been cheating on you and you didn't know about it and so then like what happens and what do you do and where do you turn mm-hmm. well I'll get you out of it hold on <clears throat> remember the verse that we started with last week Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. Yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet we know him this way no more. That's not the verse I wanted to read, but that's a good verse. <laughs> I'm doing Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, and I know it, but I think it's in here. Here it is. Uh, and this they did, not as we had hoped, but first they gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Of course, in context, this is talking about the Macedonian believers who in a great trial of affliction and under a, a, a great abundance of poverty were full of joy. Well, how do you do that? How can you be full of joy in an impossible situation? That's why I love this verse. Amplified says, Nor was this gift of theirs merely the contribution that we expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us as his agents by the will of God. Entirely disregarding their personal interests, they gave as much as they possibly could, having put themselves at our disposal to be directed by the will of God. Message translation says, this was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. Isn't that a good scripture for life, for marriage, for giving? That you first have to give yourself to the Lord. Have you ever heard of like the the triangle a lot of people talk about in pre-marriage counseling? That there's you and the person you're going to marry and God. And if you're both going towards God, you get closer and closer together. You first give yourself to the Lord. And so we talked last week in John chapter 8, verse 50 about uh, Jairus' daughter and that his daughter was dead. But Jesus' response wasn't to say, man, how did she die? I didn't expect she was going to die. Like, what happened? How long has she been dead? No, he said, what did he do? 
Fear not, Mm -hmm. only believe. Mm -hmm. So when death shows up in a relationship, Mm -hmm. the first thing is refuse to fear and only believe God. You look to God because he is able to make you full of joy in a situation where you have abundance of poverty and total adversity and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to handle it, you look to the Lord. And how do you look to the Lord if you're full of fear? Mm -hmm. You cannot let that fear grip you. You fear not, refuse to fear, only believe. Mm -hmm. And then... Sometimes you have to uh, separate yourself from people that are full of fear. Mm -hmm. And some people don't even intend to be full of fear, but they don't know how to respond any other way. They are just constantly influenced by their environment. They are a thermometer, not a thermostat. Mm -hmm. In other words, you can tell what the temperature of the world is when you talk to them, but you cannot change the temperature of the world. Mm -hmm. But you ought to be a thermostat for God. In other words, you set the temperature and you say, this is what God says. Mm -hmm. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that you set your course and you set your face like flint. What? To the word and the presence of God. So this they did because they first sought the Lord. This is what Jesus said. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. You know, we were... Uh, listen to some of the worship music before we were uh, this this week. You know, I think, uh, what's that song? No Longer Slaves uh, talks about uh, fear being buried in love. Yeah. Well, you know, like that's, that's like a great example. I think that's probably where they got it for that song where Moses was leading the Hebrew children out of Egypt Mm -hmm. and they get up to the Red Sea and they have a situation that is impossible naturally to cross. Mm -hmm. Actually, they're like, this has been a bad mistake. Why did we even follow you? Oh, you must not have heard from God and that can't be what's going on. Well, you can do that with a leader, but you know you can do that with yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, surely I must have missed it because if I was following God, uh, this marriage would be easier. Raising these kids would be better. Uh, My my family would be coming to the Lord by now. Mm-hmm. I must have missed it because right now it looks like I'm going to be totally and utterly defeated. Mm-hmm. But then when you look to the Lord, yeah. he'll do a miracle in the midst of a disaster. Yeah. And all of a sudden the seas were congealed or frozen up so that they walked across on dry ground. Mm-hmm. But the enemy was still there following them until they were drowned in the sea Mm -hmm. that Israel was so afraid was going to kill them. Mm -hmm. Well, same thing for your marriage. Same thing for your children. You can let fear grip you so easily. Uh, I mean, we have four little children and you know, like Brother Hagin would say concerning walking in love, it seems like as soon as you start you know, getting everything functioning, uh, flowing properly, you're walking in love, something comes along that knocks your feet right where your head was a second ago. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm walking in love. I got it down. Boom. You're like, (laughs) your flesh is like, I do not, I'm not patient with that. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking the best about that. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm thinking the worst. I know you had bad intentions. Uh, Dad Hagen said, uh, you know when you're feeling mistreated that the devil is working on you. In other words, uh, why does she treat me that way? I know she did that on purpose. Why are they thinking that? (laughs) Do you ever notice a lot of times when you think that about one person, it's like the person that you meet on the metro and the person (laughs) driving in the car? I mean, I I was driving in Tulsa one day before road rage was so popular. (laughs) And I... (laughs) So I'm following the lines. There's a white line when you get on an entrance ramp and you're not supposed to cross that white line. Right. Right. It's a solid white line until it's a dash. It's not doubted. So I'm following the rules. So I'm driving and all of a sudden this pickup truck behind me is just like on my tail on the entrance ramp. And I'm not going like grandma slow. I'm driving. (laughs) And so all of a sudden I see this car 
just goes, it's one of those meetings like this, a triangle shape with not only the white lines, but the dashes, you know, the angled lines. And it just goes around. And about that time, I'm getting onto the highway, so he ends up next to me. And he turns around and makes the worst face you could possibly make. Like, and he holds up this dagger that's like 13 inches long. And he's like, ah! And I was like, ah! What? I'm thinking, what did I do? I just followed the lines. And so... And so you can't control really what shows up in your life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how like perfectly you're doing stuff, what's going on, things are going to happen. And you have to learn, I have to learn, we have to live, you know, like our tagline for the church is have faith in God. Mm-hmm. That the way that we live our life is by faith. Yeah. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, there is a lot of people with a lot of problems in Hebrews chapter 11, mm-hmm. yet they are lifted up and exalted as people that are examples of living by faith. So there is hope for you and there's hope for me and uh, there's hope for your marriage. Amen. Amen. Can I say one verse? Yeah, I want you to because I just took a lot of time. (laughs) Just real quick, in Ephesians 5, 33, it says, um, nevertheless, let every one of you, um, this is King James, but um, okay, so it's just basically saying, love Man, that's a, do you have it in here? Love his wife. Love his wife. What translation do you want? No, you had it. You put it in here. Just where is it? You had lots of versions. Okay, never mind. Okay, it, it basically, it's real easy. It says, husbands love your wife as you love yourself. And it says, wives are to reverence their husbands or respect their husbands. And um, I just wanted to throw that out there because in yourself, it's really hard to love somebody or respect them if you know they're not doing right but we can do it with the love of God so um but I just wanted to point that out too because if you're not feeling loved as a woman it's really hard to respond and to respect your husband and if he's not feeling respected it's really hard for him to love on you and this can be in any relationship male or female honestly even at work not that you have to reference somebody or respect but just respect I mean if a guy feels disrespected that just shuts everything down and if a woman feels like you don't like love her not in a work relationship it wouldn't be love but just that you care about her if they don't think that you care about them it's gonna put a wall up but some people are very unlovely some spouses are very unlovely but the love of God that should have brought in our hearts can supersede that and he can help you love the unlovely he can help you respect a disrespectful person. I don't know. Yeah, so, you know, what she's also kind of talking about is basically, like, when are you going to start respecting me? Yeah. Well, when are you going to start being respectable? Mm -hmm. When are you going to start loving me? Yeah. When when are you going to be lovable? Mm -hmm. And so there always comes in relationships, someone has to be the bigger person. Step it up. And decide, like, you know, because you think, she's not treating me the way I should be treated. Mm -hmm. He's not treating me the way I should be treated. But you're waiting for the other person to make the move. Yeah. Well, love thinks the best and says, you know what? I don't even know what's all going on, what kind of attacks they're under right now. I'm going to step out and I'm going to humble myself Mm -hmm. and I'm going to love them. Mm -hmm. And you notice in a relationship, somebody does that, the whole thing changes. Mm -hmm. You know, and in our relationship... Uh, the first part of it, she was the one to do that much more quickly than I was. Like she would quickly come if we had anything against us, she'd come. I'm so sorry. Please forgive yeah, me. My favorite, one of my favorite verses is, "Do not let the sun go down on your wrath." So if there's an argument, you don't have to talk it all out, but you've got to forgive before you go to bed. You gotta let it go, <laughs> so you can, so there can be healing there. I taught her that. <laughs> <laughs> the part that you have that you have to um, don't have to talk it out. Don't have to talk it out. That's because she's yes. a lady, so they have lots of more words than we do. Yeah, well, and so she's like, "Well, we need to talk about all this." I said, "You know what? No, we will talk about it As tomorrow because I'm exhausted. I'm fa- I'm falling head. asleep." <laughs> and I said, "I have no animosity in my heart towards you. I love you. Let's pick this conversation up when we're both awake because that's much wiser than when we're tired and uh, we misinterpret things." No, <laughs> that's, that's what good. I tell her. She's always very good on it. Well. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, let's let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you most of all that you have given us your love, agape love, to love each other with, 
in marriage, in friendship, in family, as co-workers. Father, that we can deny ourselves, not with our own ability, but with your love that is within us. Father, I pray right now for every marriage that's under the sound of my voice. I plead the blood of Jesus over every aspect, everything that concerns the marriages, where hearts, affections lie, for communication, ability. Father, I pray for understanding to come into the hearts of the husband, the hearts of the wife. Father, that you will open up and reveal uh, reality and truth, first of all, of who they are in Christ, that they may know you. And Father, that you will open up lines of communication, areas uh, of improvement. Father, that every marriage can be your ideal for marriage, full of love, full of your life, full of your faith. Father, that we walk and live our lives totally reliant upon you, that it's no longer we that live, but Christ that lives in us. That as husbands, that we love our wives as you love the church and gave himself for her. And as wives, as that wives honor and respect their husbands and respond to the love that he shows. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, meaning you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus died for you. He showed the ultimate act of love, of giving up of oneself. He gave up his whole self for you and for me so that we could be part of the family of God and partake of his very nature. You can't have a love nature without getting it from God. You can have natural human love, which is selfish, but you cannot have love that is beyond this world. If you want to receive that love and receive Jesus as your Lord, I want you to lift up your hand so we can pray with you and pray for you. God loves you. He made a plan for you. You cannot make yourself good enough to come to God. You get everything right and miss one thing, the Bible says. You're guilty of all of it. But Jesus, through faith in his blood, makes you right with God. Uh, makes you one that God has shed his favor upon. If that's you this morning, lift up your hand. If you're here this morning and you were a Christian, but you kind of let a lot of other things come in and crowd out your relationship with the Lord, that you've got other things uh, that you have put first and you'd like to come back and rededicate your life to the Lord, uh, get right with God, slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and pray for you. And lastly, if you're here this morning and you've never been uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you'd like to be, man, it's such an empowering gift from God. If you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning, just slip up your hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for freedom that we have in Christ. We thank you for your help in our time of need. Father, I pray for everyone now as we go. We speak blessing and we plead the blood of Jesus that what Jesus accomplished through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, his, your very best, Father, may it be applied in every area of our life that we look to you for help, for strength, for ability, and for words. We thank you that for your protective hand upon each and every one of us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.